Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Club. This is the place everyday real estate investors gather to share their best stories, biggest insights, and favorite tactics to grow a portfolio of cash-flowing properties in today's market. Here's your host, Gabe Peterson. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Club. It is again Friday. I know for you guys listening out there, it's probably a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday. Um, I record all these on Friday. So every single time I open one of these podcasts, it's going to be a happy Friday from me. So happy Friday, happy Monday, happy Wednesday, whenever you guys are listening to this. It's going to be a good show. We got Dan Barrett with us today. Dan is an expert. If you're talking about experts, Dan is the top of the pack when it comes to generating leads from the internet. He is the founder of AdWords Nerds. Um, they are they specialize in marketing. They specialize in generating leads from the internet, the thing that, that came around in my lifetime, which is crazy to think. Uh, so yeah. it's going to be a good episode. Dan has a lot to share. Dan, thank you very much for popping on the show. Thank you so much for having me, man. I'm appreciated. I appreciate the Friday energy you bring to this show every day of the week. So there you go. If you, if you ever want to feel Friday, just tune into the Real Estate Investing Club, and uh, we got it for you. I um, Dan, I told you before we got on here, we like starting with stories. So take us to the beginning of your story. How'd you get started in real estate? Yeah. So I was. I originally. So my original career path was I was training to be a teacher. So I wanted to be a history teacher, teaching runs in my family. So, you know, I got my graduate degree in history. I have another graduate degree in education. I was working in public schools. And at some point I was like, well, I'm going to start kind of freelancing on the side just to make some cash uh, around the time that my wife and I, uh, you know, my wife got pregnant with our first son. All right. So I was like, that's a good indication that I should make some extra cash. So I started freelancing, just doing some SEO, some web design stuff, and did that for a couple of years. It, it went fine, but I knew for a fact that I wanted to really focus in on something and I, I wanted to be the best, right? And I feel like I'm pretty self-aware. Uh, I'm not the smartest person in the universe. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a Bill Gates. I'm not a Steve Jobs kind of figure, right? But I'm good at applying myself to specific bodies of knowledge. And so I wanted to pick a niche, right? I wanted to focus in. I ended up paying to go to a Tony Robbins business event as kind of like a forcing function, where at the time it was like, I put $10,000 on a credit card, which was the most I'd spent on anything in my entire life. They gave me, by the way, if you ever want like killer sales tactics, you should call the Tony Rob, like call Tony Robbins' people and ask like- And just get sold. Know, sell, yeah. <laughs> oh, amazing. Because they were like, oh, uh, you're worried about what your wife is going to- They're like, here's like a neuro-linguistic programming script to give your wife to like convince her to put- to, to <laughs> Here's so, how to manipulate your wife into saying yes. <laughs> they were they were on it. They were on it. And I did not end up doing that, but she <clears> was very supportive. So I went down to this event. I was like, I have- have to pick a target market at this event. I, I knew I was like, that's going in. That's my goal. I ended up sitting all the way in the back because I was like, I don't know much about Tony Robbins, but I know he makes you dance and I don't dance. So I'm sitting all the way in the back. Like the equivalent was like sitting in the back of the bus to try to be with the cool kids <laughs> and uh, ended up sitting next to uh, a couple of really amazing real estate investors. These folks, Glenn and Amber Schwarm, still in the industry today, just doing amazing. And we're having that conversation. What do you do? I was explaining why I was there. And they were like, hey, you should just work with investors because investors always need leads. And when they get deals, they make a ton of money. And I was like, all right, 
that's my target. Sold. <laughs> Sold, right? I was like, it's a sign. I just did it. And I, you know, from the point that we jumped into real estate investing as, you know, investors are really our only clients. And uh, from the time that we did that, there wasn't really another agency doing that at all. We, we got in pretty early, so more than a decade ago now. So we had a lot of success, man. And we, we were able to sort of write the blueprint. Right. Like most of the strategy and the, and the tactics that people use today come from the early work that we did when we got started. Right. I mean, it was really we were the first people to really talk about it. First people to not not like ever. There were certainly people like Sean Terry, for example, is a really good example of an investor who was doing Google ads very early. But we were one of the first agencies to do it at scale for many, many, many investors, hundreds of investors at this point. And really get a sense of what the high level patterns are and what the the sort of rhythms of the market are. And it's been incredible ever since, man. It's been a real wild ride, huge engine of growth for me personally. And yeah, it's been uh, awesome ever since. So now we're a team of seven, actually eight now, and um, just rocking and rolling, man. I, I love it every day. It's always interesting, never boring. So you can't nice. ask for much more. Yeah. I love it. Well, you chose a good niche. Uh, I love real estate and everybody that comes on this podcast loves real estate yeah. and uh, and we definitely need leads. You're right. Um, do you invest in, at, at all yourself or are you 100% focused in on uh, helping investors? Yeah, I made a decision relatively early that I wasn't going to invest myself. I do know a lot about how the industry works, but I know from one of my kind of core principles, right, is I want to know myself as much as possible and line my strengths up with what, you know, line my opportunities up with what my strengths are. And my strengths aren't in being super detail oriented, super numbers focused. I don't have the skill set of a world class investor, right? What I have is a skill set of someone who's incredibly good at digesting big bodies of knowledge turning them into operations and processes and using that to grow, right? So I'm analytical, but in my own investments, like for retirement, I'm very hands-off. So I'm invested in real estate in the sense of like, I might invest in some funds. I will give money to an investor that I know from talking to is really high quality, really knows their stuff, right? But if I had like a rental property under my own management, my face would explode. And I just know that about myself, right? So I'm not going to put myself in that situation. I'm going to try to leverage my strengths as much as possible. Um, but like Lou, for example, uh, this guy, Lou Domenici, has been on our team for, for many, many years now, uh, was an investor himself. Uh, one of our PPC managers, actually our head PPC manager, is a licensed realtor, did some investing himself. So we we know the market at this point, but... Man, I don't know. I, I I feel like I've only got the cognitive capacity to do one thing really well, and I already chose it, so I'm doing that. And yeah, everything yeah. else, I'll just invest passively, if that makes sense. No, yeah, I think that's. Uh, I mean, and limited being an LP in a deal that I feel like that is a that is a strategy in and of itself, um, and it's especially good for people who like who like yourself have a W-2 or a business um, and they want to put those funds in a place that's going to grow faster than the stock market. And so um, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing negative about not being an investor. It sounds like you're in the space, you're an expert. And so you're just utilizing the connections you have to, uh, to allow for passive investment versus active. Um, so there's two different routes. I kind of want to take this. I want to get deep into how people can uh, use the internet to market for properties, but I focus on commercial. I buy self-storage, mobile home, RV park. So I also want to go into that area. I know you guys focus on residential, but I'm just curious curious what you guys have seen on the commercial side. 
Um, and shoot, you know, it's my podcast. I got to, I got to decide the format here. So I'm going to take us down to the commercial side first, and then we'll go into the, the details of how to do it. Um, you guys focus on residential, but commercial exists and there's a ton of money in it. And there's a lot of people in there trying to do deals. So have you guys had any experience generating leads for commercial properties? Yes. So here's, here's the kind of big division. We'll do the big kind of mental model first to understand like the question that you're getting at. Right. And then we'll talk about the specifics of going after, like, for example, if I was in your business, how would I go after commercial leads? Right. The big mental model is to understand whether the market you are targeting is seeking you out ahead of time or not. Right. So this is, is your marketing responsive, meaning you are responding to a request from the potential client, or is it active in the sense that you are seeking them out and making the pitch that like, hey, here's why you should work with me. Right now, classic investor kind of marketing is motivated sellers. And motivated seller marketing online is primarily responsive in the sense that like if you do Google ads as a you know retail, you know, retail, but a residential investor, you are primarily going after people who are already typing in, like, I want to sell my house, right? I'm ready to sell my house. How do I do that? And then you're raising your hand and saying, Cool, it's me, right? And in that case, you are not interrupting their process. All right. Very different type of marketing, because in that kind of marketing, primarily all you got to do is say, hey, you have a problem. You know, you have a problem. What I got to do is tell you, hey, I can solve the problem. And then you're off to the races. Right. So a whole different set of math in strategies and tactics goes into that type of marketing. Now, if you are, for example, trying to buy commercial properties, the fact of the matter is very, very few people are typing into Google, I want to sell a commercial property. Now, it does happen, right? But first of all, commercial properties are a fraction of the number of residential properties. So you're already talking about a much smaller market, particularly if you're looking locally. And it's just not a behavior that people type in, right? Like people are generally aren't typing into Google like, Who's the best brain surgeon or whatever, right? They're kind of using different channels to find those. They're either going word of mouth, they're doing referrals, they might be going through a different professional, right? So it's just all sorts of different stuff. So it doesn't mean you can't do online marketing for that type of lead. In fact, you can, for example, as an agency that works with investors, some investors are going into Google and saying like, I want someone to do my PPC. Like I want someone to run my Google ads, right? And we run ads to those people, but the vast majority, let's say 90% of the market, they don't know they want to work with me yet, right? They don't know, they don't know they have a problem. They don't know that I exist to solve it. So for that type of marketing, you are taking a completely different tactic in terms of the channels that you tend to use and the ways you tend to use those channels. So for example, if your market is primarily looking for you already, Google is the gold standard and has been forever. Right. It, I'm going into Google to solve a problem is what people use Google for. And that's now, why, it, and just to jump in here yeah. real quick, that's why uh, Google ads work so well for residential is because people on the residential side, they get into problems. They, I need to sell my house because my, I'm going to for, I'm going into foreclosure. I'm getting a divorce. I'm doing whatever situation is arising in my life that is forcing me to sell my house and I need to solve this problem. Exactly. They're going to Google. Google is the problem solving box, right? And they're in marketing terms are what we, what we would call bottom of funnel, meaning they're ready to go, right? Totally different scenario. Now, 
when you are doing the kind of marketing that you would do for typically for commercial or, for example, the type of marketing that I do as an agency for my own business, those leads are what we call top of funnel, meaning they might not even know they have a problem, much less that they want me to solve it yet. And in that case, what I'm doing is I am primarily taking an educational approach, kind of like me coming on this podcast, talking about marketing, right? I'm talking about what I do, showing that I'm an expert, and I am using primarily things like search engine optimization or Facebook or YouTube or now even TikTok, depending on what you're doing, to get in front of people while they're doing other stuff. Right. So, you know, this is kind of the classic example of someone scrolling through Facebook and they see a, a video of me and I'm saying like, hey, like top 10 reasons your commercial property is sitting vacant right now. And they weren't looking for me. Right. But I am using a variety of demographic targeting, psychographic targeting, audience targeting, etc., in order to get in front of the kinds of people that would work with me. And then I'm getting them to raise their hands by offering something that would be valuable to my ideal client, right? And so you have these two big worlds of marketing, right? Responsive marketing and interrupted marketing, right? Or you could say bottom of funnel marketing, top of funnel marketing. And the biggest mistake that I see people make in both camps is they don't understand which camp they're in, hmm. right? So if I go to sellers and I'm like promoting a PDF that's like, hey, like top 10 ways to sell your house today, that stuff tends to fall flat and it falls flat, not because it's not valuable, but because people who are ready to sell don't want to read a PDF about it. They want to sell, right? They're right. like, don't make me read the PDF, right? My, if I'm <laughs> bleeding, my arm is like a stump and I'm both shooting blood everywhere. Here's how I don't to read yeah. your webinar on like top 10 ways to stop blood flow. Like, I just want you to do it, right? Just do it, right? If I'm like, okay, hey, I'm a commercial property owner and maybe I'm thinking about selling, but maybe I'm not, it kind of lives as a vague anxiety in the back of my head. I'm not really going on, like, if you come up to me and you're like, sell to me today. I'm like, whoa, 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 buddy. I don't even know you. Like, what's your deal, right? Instead, you got to work up this thing of like, hey, do you know me? Do you like me? Do you trust me? Can I prove to you that I'm an authority? It's a much longer term play. Also tends to be significantly cheaper to do on these channels because you're not really like competing for someone who's ready to go, like chomping at the bit. So very different strategies, both totally worthwhile, important to do. I always say like, I'm not the kind of person that says everybody needs to do online marketing. I don't believe that. What I believe is that different marketing channels and strategies match up with different people's tolerance for risk, their goals, their timelines for achieving their goals. So like if I were in a business like you, you where I was like, okay, I want to buy commercial properties, right? I would be building up a channel that's like, hey, I'm the commercial property guy. I'm talking to my audience before they need me, right? I would say like, look, look, don't listen to what I say. Look at what I do. What am I doing right now? I'm going on a podcast called the Real Estate Investing Club to talk to high quality real estate investors about what I do. And the vast majority of your audience isn't going to be ready to work with me yet. Totally fine. But like five years down the line, they're going to be like, who is that guy, you know, that Gabe said was like the best in the world at the blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, yeah, it's Dan Bear from AdWords Nerds. They're going to Google AdWords Nerds and they're going to find me, right? Nice. So just got to understand what bucket you're in. And then that tells you what strategy to use and generally the types of channels that are going to work best for you. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so it sounds like for and just taking the perspective of a, of a commercial investor, um, for somebody like me, the best strategy that you would suggest 
is to start creating content around things that the people that own properties consume. Um, and so how to underwrite commercial deals, um, how to, I don't know, whatever how to's on what com- commercial property owners would want to know. And then eventually just kind of getting in their mind until they get to the point where they do want to sell and then running an ad like a remarketing campaign to their account. Is that, and just <laughs> totally yeah, blow holes into this if that's not accurate, but, uh, but. No, that could totally work, right? You could say, one way to think about it is, what is the event or the type of event that tends to happen bef- right before they decide to sell? And then you market that event, right? Mm. So it's like, okay, hey, there's a certain type of deal difficulty or a certain type of problem with the foundation of the building or whatever, right? I'm going to put out content about that event, all about dealing with it. And then at the end, be like, and also, if you don't want to deal with it, you just sell it to me. And I'm going to... Uh promote those in the cheapest way possible, right? So that's one way of doing it, right? Another way of doing it, honestly, like here's a way you could do, you don't even have to go online to do this. Get a list of like all the people who own commercial property in your area and like just write a newsletter and print it out and mail it to them and just do that every month for a year, right? What you're doing is thinking more about building the network and building people's awareness of you ahead of time, right? Now, if it were me, like, well, let's say, this is literally true, right? Like I, I, I recently learned how to hypnotize people, which is like just a skill that I didn't know I wanted to have. And then now I'm like, now I know how to hypnotize people. It's cool. And I was like, it would be cool to get a couple of hypnosis clients, right? I'm like, that would be cool. How would I go about doing that? I thought about this. I was like, I'm not known for, no, you know, I'm not known as like the hypnosis guy. It's not a thing that people know me for. Hey, starting now, rebranding you know, really hypnotist guy. Yeah, it's like, I don't have a ton of experience, right? Like, whatever. Like, what would I do? I'm like, okay, well, here's what I'd do. I'd pick a target market. Mine would be like a solopreneur, CEOs, something like that, right? And I would say, all right, an audience I could target basically on Facebook. Pretty big audience, right? And what I would do is put out maybe like five to 10 videos of me just talking about the benefits of the process. And I would kind of promote that to the widest audience possible. I would see which angles or messages seem to resonate the most. And then I would lean into those and I'd see if I could get people to contact me. Right now that might cost me, I don't know, 500 bucks in total. If I'm charging, let's say a thousand to 3000 or whatever per client should be fairly easy to make my money back. And what I'm doing is trying to validate, Hey, is this a decent angle, right? It's a perfect example of people that don't know they want me. I guarantee you CEOs are not walking around being like, I wish someone would hypnotize me, man. How to be hypnotized? Like that's not a thing people are looking for. So I've got to just open them gradually, right? And that's kind of the approach. So yeah, for if I was going to start in commercial today, I would probably do something similar. I would just be like, hey, I'm a real person. Let me show you I know what I'm going to talk about. Let me blow this up without really asking for anything else. Like, I'm not really asking you to give me money or whatever. And then you mentioned this earlier, but you can retarget on Facebook based on how much of your video that they watched. So I'd be like, hey, if anybody watched 50% of any of my videos that were just pure value, I want to show them another video where I'm like, hey, you remember me from that other video. Nice to see you again. I'm buying properties in your area. You know, I would love to, you know, if, if you know anybody that would like to work with me, just comment here and I'll DM you or something. Right? Don't even make them give you your, their email and just do it like that, right? See what resonates. I think the, the biggest kind of 
mindset shift for people to make when they're thinking about online marketing is it's very fast to do and it's very cheap if you do it right. And it's very objective in terms of the amount of data you get back. So rather than trying to plan the perfect funnel, which you can never do, like your chances of planning everything perfectly up front are just zero. Instead, take little tiny steps, little baby steps. Do a video, see if anybody likes it. Do a different video, see if anybody likes it. These little cheap experiments and just go where you start to get positive feedback. And if you do that over time, the end of six months, you will have a absolutely killer funnel from start to finish that you probably never would have been able to plan otherwise. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, the only problem with that is uh, the time commitment that it takes to just create content. And, you know, I'm we're both you and I are kind of at an advantage because we have podcasts and podcasts are an easy way to create content because you can take a long segment like this, cut it up into small things and put it out there. Um, but for someone who does not have a podcast, I'm just thinking creating that content just uh, takes a lot of time. But hey, that's just how it goes because, uh, you know, nothing's free and the, the price that you have to pay for this kind of marketing is your time is that creation of content um, and being able to put it out there. Yeah. I think if you're looking for a type of content that kills, like does really well and you don't know what to do and you don't have a lot of time, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what you do. I'll show you. You got a phone, right? So most people have a phone. If you don't have a phone, you should probably get a phone. I hate to break it. I want <laughs> to get break it to you, but you do need to have a phone for real. Yeah. yeah. You get a phone and you do this and you talk into it. And literally what you do is this type of, the type of content that I always lean into, it's called leaning, learning in public. What is learning in public? Learning in public is, hey, I'm working on this and blah, blah, blah in my business. And I'm going to share how it goes, mm. right? So if you're learning to code, you talk about like, hey, I'm learning to code. I did this. I did this. I did this. I went like this. Anybody have a thing for blah, 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 right? You don't have to appear to be the top of the world wizard person, right? If you're doing commercial, you're saying, hey, I want to check out this property we just bought. I'm going to walk through the thing. Let me talk about why I bought this. Let me yeah. talk about like what makes this a good property. Let me talk about blah, 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 blah. I'm spending maybe 15 minutes and I just post it. I don't have to edit it. I don't got to do subtitles. I don't have to do any of that. All that stuff is nice to have. Right. But it doesn't actually make the content. And it, this is historically, right? Doesn't make the content more valuable. And in fact, if you look at, I recently saw, there's a, a video this guy put online. He basically, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like he was it's like he was a friend of Robert Oppenheimer, like the guy who was behind like the nuclear bomb or whatever, like, a, you know, and he, he was like a friend from Robert of Robert Oppenheimer's from like when he was a kid and he was like meeting him at a high school reunion. And he's like, what have you been up to? And just like doing this like weird thing. It's a little bit. It was like five minutes. This thing had like 50 bazillion views on it. Right. It's totally unedited. This guy's walking around his living room just doing like funny voice. This weird thing that popped into his head. Right. Some of the best and most valuable content that people really react to is what's real, because I will tell you, like we are heading into right now a absolute crisis of the real. Right. Like the, the we are getting to the point. I'm already to the point if you are very online and I'm a very online dude, I use Twitter a lot. I'm already to the point on Twitter where I cannot tell what is AI generated and what uh, isn't. Yeah. Right. We are going to get to the point where I really believe this, like being real with people and specifically being unlike, you know, filtered. And this is what I really look like. 
and this is what's really going on. And like, hey, I lost money this month. Like that stuff is going to be what people connect to because everything else is going to be this weird, hyper real sort of farce where everyone seems too perfect and we all seem super anxious. Right. So just sharing what's going on like day to day, literally just being like, here's a day in the life. Yeah, I got a croissant today. My my newborn woke me up. I'm super exhausted. <laughs> I was supposed to buy this property for like, a, you know, $150,000 and I accidentally put $15,000 and now I'm like a bankrupt. You know, whatever it is, like just share your life. People like it and it yeah. works. It works. Nice, man. Well, hey, uh, thank you for sharing everything you've shared so far. Um, I did have something else that we were going to go into, but we've run down the time. So it's time to move to the quick question round. Maybe we'll have you on again and we can go into the other topics. Um, I love it. I warned you at the beginning. I said, I I told you. It's all good. No worries. It starts with books, though, or any form of education. Give me two recommendations, one for general life wisdom, one for real estate slash business. All right. The um, if you're talking business, uh, I still recommend probably more than any other business book, uh, The Goal by Eli Goldratt. Eli Goldratt was an Israeli physicist. The Goal is the sort of it's a novel. So it is a business novel about someone trying to save a failing factory. So if that sounds weird, you should definitely read it. This is the book where he sort of first puts popularized the theory of constraints. Theory of constraints has completely changed the way I think about my life and business. It is the underlying philosophy and improvement for a work I use for everything. It is incredibly powerful. Again, it's a novel, so it doesn't spell everything out for you. But if you can read it, it's killer. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are those are my favorite kind of books like uh, um, The Alchemist. It's you know yeah. it's a novel. It doesn't go into any details, but it has such good content because the the principles are, are there and the overarching theme is there. And so I love novel slash philosophy books. Um, yeah, love to read those. Good, good they suggestion. Let you, they let you take what you need to take out of it. Right. So really, really powerful. The other book I've been recommending to people is uh it is a, a, a tough read, a highly recommended read. Another book that I read that completely changed how I see the world, which was The Master and His Emissary by Ian McGilchrist. McGilchrist is a neuroscientist, studies the brain. He's also deep in philosophy. So it was a book that spends about half its time talking about like imaging of the brain and half his time talking about Heidegger and Nietzsche and all this stuff. Uh, it was the first truly new mental model of the world I had seen in a really long time. And once you see the world through this lens, this idea of the right and left hemispheres of the brain and what they do and what they mean, once you see the world that way, you will start to see everything that way and you will never go back. It is a deep read, long read, but, uh, you know, there's a handful of books I can say really changed my life. And that was one of them. So highly recommended master and his emissary by Ian McGilchrist. Really amazing. He's got a couple, like you can find a Ted talks and stuff by him as well. If you want kind of a, a quick intro into his uh, view of the world, really fascinating guy. Yeah. I just pulled it up on Amazon. Um, it looks like it's talking about the difference between the like left brain, right brain, logical, creative, um, and why the left side is not the, uh, the superior side as a lot of people think. So sounds good. It is, uh, uh, it is quite the mind bending read. I, I highly recommend it. And I think is, I won't spoil it for people, but I will say that like, since this book came out, I think it's probably, uh, 
become even more important to read because it's got a lot to say, even though this came out pre-AI, it's got a lot to say about AI and how we use it. So I would highly recommend it. All right. I love it. Next question is for your younger self. So let's go back to the Dan who was, uh, he was still out there, you know, just freelancing, doing some, some SEO for, uh, for random people. Go back to him, look him in the eye, give him one piece of advice moving forward. The one piece of advice I would absolutely give myself, uh, and I give, I re-give to myself <laughs> pretty much every quarter uh, as an adult is uh, I take this directly from my friend, Dan Nicholson, who runs a very successful CPA firm um, and is a, a wonderful coach and mentor. He says, be kind, but not nice. And the difference between being kind and nice is kind is telling people what they need to hear and nice is telling people what they want to hear. This was and has been a really difficult lesson for me to internalize, but particularly for, you know, for business and for relationships, for building your team, for having a successful marriage, I will very much tend to hide negative feedback because I don't want to hurt the other people's feelings and let problems persist way longer than they need to. This is, uh, I think, one of the kind of master skills of a happy and healthy life. So be kind, but not nice. It's a deep one, but it's uh, a valuable one if you can internalize it. Yeah, I feel like that's a really good distinction um, to make. You know, be be kind to people, but never people people please. Uh, never hide the truth from them. Um, I feel like that's a, that's that's pretty wise pretty wise thing to say. So moving us on to the next question. Um, and you guys, again, I apologize if I stumble over my words, as you guys all know, we just had a newborn. And for those of you who are out there with a newborn, you totally understand you don't get a lot of sleep. So <laughs> I, uh, my, my heart goes out to everybody out there with newborns. And uh, to you parents out there who have, you know, nine or 10 year olds, and you forgot what it's like to have a newborn, just remember, it's hard. So that's my little bit here. I'm going to move us real, on to the next question. Real talk. <laughs> this is about the US. It's a big place, a lot of opportunity out there. This is a good one for you because you guys get to see all the data. So mm. what is the metro you, um, I guess, since you don't invest specifically, I'm going to say, what is the metro that you see the most activity in today? Wow. Interesting. So for the longest time, the absolute most brutal areas for, and I'll talk specifically about competition in Google ads, right? So just Google ads as a marketplace, as competition goes up, prices go up, right? And so you can see as the price per click goes up or down, a pretty good indicator of how competitive a market is becoming. For the longest time, uh, it was Phoenix. Phoenix, Arizona was absolutely kill or be killed. Uh, after Phoenix, we sort of saw Houston and Dallas really coming up and being really, really competitive. Those places remain competitive. But for my money, one of, one of the toughest markets in the United States is Florida. And mm -hmm. the joke that we always make in, about uh, clients in Florida, it's not that it doesn't work. It actually can work great. But the thing about Florida is if you throw a rock in Florida, you will hit three real estate investors. And like basically, just pick a direction, toss a rock. You're going to knock into three or four of them. There's just a lot of players, right? So you have some markets where you got a few big players spending a ton of money. Florida is like, Man, everybody is there. Everybody's competing. A lot of people doing ads. And uh, you can always make it work, but you got to tweak your strategy accordingly, right? Um, but yeah, if you think about Phoenix, 
You think about Houston, Dallas, those metros. You think about Florida. Those have traditionally been really competitive markets for investors online. And uh, but fun ones, fun ones to compete in for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those uh, DFW is an area that I own a couple uh, self-storage facilities in. And I have been I've been trying to find more and you, they just don't exist. Like, well, they exist, but they're at four caps and it's just not worth it. So, yeah, it's uh, it's tough, man. It, it's interesting. Certain places have a culture of investing that mm. doesn't exist el- elsewhere. Right. Like I was thinking like Salt Lake City is competitive, but it doesn't have a culture of real estate investors the way that these other markets do. That's kind of my theory about how these markets are play out. But yeah, God bless them. If you're down there doing it, you are, I'm telling you, it's like, you know, it's like competing and like with like extra heavy gravity or something. You're going to get super <laughs> strong, super efficient. And, uh, and it doesn't help that everybody wants to invest in Florida right now. So um, makes a lot of sense. All right. Next question. This is, where is the next question? I lost my spot. Um, I'm not even going to ask this question because, uh, I know what you're going to say. The question is, what is your favorite way of finding good deals? Um, and I'm sure for you, it is online marketing. Direct uh, mail. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> online marketing. Yeah. I, I love Google ads. What can I say? It's still my baby, no matter how much they hurt me. And, uh, it's still a lot of fun. So yeah, I love it. Absolutely. All right. Second to last question. This is about your strengths. All of us are given gifts that we uniquely provide this world. So what is your Superman strength? I honestly think my strength is it goes all the way back to the reason I wanted to be a teacher. I think my strength is primarily in taking a lot of disconnected pieces of information and connecting them in a way that people get right. So I, I mentioned this before I use theory of constraints, which was a performance improvement methodology designed for manufacturing in almost every level of my agency down to how we actually think through managing Google ads and teaching that, developing that process, really thinking about, okay, well, how do you transfer one to the other? That's the stuff that I'm really good at, right? Taking these different ideas, finding the connections, explaining them in ways that people like um, or that people can understand. And that's what I have the most fun doing, honestly. It's like, it's the best part of my job. So that, if anything, is going to be my strength, I would say for sure. Well, there you go. And that is uh, probably a good reason why y'all should check out his podcast. And sorry, I don't even know the name. I should have looked this up before. Oh, yeah, no worries. It's called the REI Marketing Nerds Podcast, uh, which you can find anywhere that fine podcasts are sold. Uh, But yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. I I love this. I love getting to know you a little bit, good chatting and stuff. It's it's always really fun. And it's always fun to hear people's life experiences and everything. It's, uh, it's, It's a fun way to spend some time. Yeah, for sure. I, I always recommend like if anybody out there wants to. And the other cool thing about having a podcast, and I don't want to get on my podcast for us here, but um, yeah. if you guys are thinking about a, about a way to create content, I love suggesting podcasts because it's like sitting down with a mentor every single day or every single Friday. You know, I do it three times every Friday. I get to sit down, have an hour conversation with somebody who knows a lot more about a subject that benefits me. Um, like, like Dan, Dan knows 10 times more about online marketing than I do. And so you just get to glean all this information and then you get to help promote them, promote their business by putting it out to the world. So if you guys want to start a podcast, do it. It's great, great, uh, great way to, uh, you know, create content. So moves us on to the very last question. And this is for the listeners. You've given us a lot of good advice, a lot of things to think about. What is the best way for people to reach out and get in contact with you? Yeah, best way is always going to be the website, which is adwordsnerds.com, or you can just Google AdWords Nerds. 
you'll find us. Um, I have a lot of free stuff up on there, like we do with the podcast every week. I wrote a 40,000 plus word guide to PPC for real estate investors. Literally, if you want to go from start to actually getting deals online, you don't have to pay anybody. We put it all online for free. It's better than the vast majority of paid courses out there. You could just Google like PPC for real estate investors, or I think it's called the ultimate guide to PPC for real estate investors. Cause it's gotta be the ultimate. Cause it's the last one that anyone's <laughs> ever going to need. Uh, you'll find it on there, but yeah, we have all sorts of free stuff. Um, yeah. So adwordsnerds.com is the place to go and uh, get all that stuff for free. All right. I will put that link in the show notes. So if y'all want to reach out to Dan, um, learn a little bit more about how to run AdWords for your guys' business, just click a little more in the description. It'll pull down that full description and in there you can find Dan's link. All right, man, that wraps it up. Thank you very much for hopping on the show. Yeah, man, it was super fun. Thank you for having me. I know you are tired. It means extra to me. (laughs) And uh, I really appreciate it, man. This was rad. Right on. For everybody who's here with us today, thank you guys for showing up. You are the reason we do this. So if you guys have any questions whatsoever, reach out to me, Gabe, at the real estate investing club.com. Um, and if you guys want to support the show, just give us a like, subscribe, share all that jazz. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week. Keep rocking real estate. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. All right. Before I officially sign off, I have a quick announcement to make. If you're interested in becoming a passive investor in one of my deals, my own company, Kaizen Properties, is looking for capital partners for our upcoming projects. We invest in what are known as recession-resistant assets, mainly self-storage facilities, mobile home and RV parks, and industrial properties. If you're interested in investing and would like to learn a little bit more about my company, our investing criteria, and some of the previous projects we've done, Go to the Real Estate Investing Club podcast at therealestateinvestingclub.com and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the page. Click on the Invest With Us button. That'll pop up the investor form. Fill that out and we will reach back out to you as soon as we can. Or if you prefer a little bit more of a personal touch, you can reach out to me at gabe at therealestateinvestingclub.com. So really, that is it. Again, it was a pleasure hanging out with you guys during this episode, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode.